Hi guys, it's Sufaro back again with the podcast and today I'm joined by Farai. Hey Rufaro, how's it? Uh, good, to, good to be back, hey? Yeah, it is. And today's actually super good because we have Tawanda and Tawanda, I think, is pretty much our Zimbabwean drone expert. I think that's like the best way to put it, right? Yeah, at this point. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting title. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Rufaro. Uh, nice to be here. Thanks, Rufaro. And uh, Farai, thanks. So, yeah, today no, we're going to be... Thanks for giving us your time. So today we're going to be talking about drones and drone technology uh, in specific, because there's a lot that's going on with drones. There's the regulation, there's the racing, there's all kind of stuff. But today we're going to be focusing on education. So to start off, I guess we kind of want to understand what's even going on uh, in terms of drones in Zimbabwe. Do we have any? Um, and do we have any pilots, or what's the state of drones in Zimbabwe? Uh, well, thanks, thanks for that question, uh, Rufaro. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it as simple as possible, um, just in explaining where we're at as a country. Um, the regulations, as you probably know, and everyone kind of knows now, the regulations uh, regarding how drones operated in Zimbabwe were published in December 2018. And this is after a lot of the people who are involved in the industry, so like operators and pilots and that kind of thing, and people who own drones, were really pushing um, our government to say, we need to catch up with what other countries are doing. So, you know, after consultative kind of meetings with the ministry involved, which is Ministry of Transport, um, and people involved there, uh, the regulations were published. Now, what's happened since the time that regulations were published in December 2018 up to now, we're in 2020, is that there has been little implementation on the ground of those regulations. So what that means in essence, and I'll just give you an example, is, for example, the law actually says, the law requires in Zimbabwe that anyone who's operating a drone for commercial or for hire or for reward purposes, right? Um, or an industrial grade drone. So we're not talking about racing drones or toy drones that people buy for their kids. We're talking about drones used for business, for work. So you're looking at a Mavic Pro, Phantom 4, all those going up, right? All of those, if you're going to operate that, you actually need to have a license. Okay, that's one thing, a license. A drone pilot license or a remote piloted aircraft license, a Zimbabwean one, right? Yeah. Uh, Or just a license in general to operate that. Okay, to get a license, um, the law also says you need to have been trained by an approved training organization. Okay, so what that means is you can't go online and do some course and then come back and say, I'm a pilot and here's some certificate that you did on some e-course or something like that. You actually have to get trained by by an approved training company, right? And you can't do a self-training. Oh, I Googled it or I taught myself. The law says you need to go to a school. So that law has been there since December 2018. And right now, if you or me want to go to civil aviation, who regulate the law, right? We can't go, you can't get a license because there is no approved training organization. There's none in Zimbabwe at this stage. Therefore, no one can get a license. Okay. So the issues around that have to do with the capacity of the civil aviation. They're still yet to set up a department that looks specifically just at drones. 
right now their current team is you know they're doing their job but they're also doing you know the drone part so there's there aren't people who are dedicated to looking at drones which is slowing down implementation then there are also other issues to do with safety and who owns the air there's the military as well um, who have a say in what happens in the air so until they're also comfortable with the regulations and with trusting people to be able to do the things you know that once they're licensed they will operate safely then we're, we're kind of at a place where the law we push for it but now it's made it illegal to do anything okay yeah. um yeah. With, with that being with that being said you'll know that when we had that uh, the shoko festival the the civil aviation came out and said there's what they call uh, an alternative means of compliance so basically if you want to if you got a job uh, where we do use drones and drones are being used in Zimbabwe every single day even despite the fact that there's no law i mean the law has been implemented right um, you can go to civil aviation and ask for special permission on a project by project basis there's no flat out hey you can go do whatever you want it's hey i want to go fly here to do this whether it's on a mine whether it's on a farm whether it's on inspections, whatever it is, you can go and ask for permission. They will look at it on an individual basis and then make a recommendation to say, yes, you can proceed or not. Okay, so, so maybe just to, just to interrupt you a bit, are people actually doing that? Let's say um, um, I use drones for videography and I want, to, mm. uh, I want to take footage of a wedding. Do people go and get that request or maybe I, I i do that land mapping thing where i want to map a, a farm do people actually yeah. go to the civil aviation and, and they request for that or now it's at a place where people just go with the drone to the farm and assume that no one's going to see them anyway and go ahead and do the mapping um so what's happening um and i like to call it the wild wild west that's what zimbabwe is it's an it's it's an unregulated <laughs> market um, people are basically people are, have actually continued to operate as if there's no law because there's no implementation so that's generally generally people have just continued to do what they were doing the way they were operating before the regulations were published right um, yes. so people you mentioned the guys who do weddings I don't know anyone who's doing weddings who's going and get you know permission before they fly before they actually do yeah, that. because it I feels like once mm. you do that and then you get a no, oh, now that's kind of tricky. Mm. You, you yeah. might as well just do it and not. <laughs> yeah, okay. and, 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 and the process, the process like civil aviation, and that's where like my company, what I'm doing comes in is, in terms of help is there isn't enough information coming from civil aviation and from just dissecting and breaking down the regulations so that people understand. So, for example, if you have a wedding that you're shooting on Saturday, you can't go to yeah. civil aviation on Friday and then expect to get permission. No, because it takes long. To fly the next day. Yeah, so the process takes a bit of time. So for you to do that, and then you're still trying to organize for the actual wedding itself, it's, it becomes like it's a hassle. It's like it's too much. So they need to find a way to simplify it. And, and that's where it's a problem. But I will say this. There are a few people who are doing it. So you mentioned the land uh, surveying or mapping. When that involves, for example, like um, uh, a land development, okay, uh, something that has to do with maybe City of Ferrari or that involves, you know, those kind of, you know, people. And it's at a high level where you're doing large pieces of land. Yes, there are people going and seeking the permission. And whether they get approved or denied, uh, it depends on a number of factors of which I'm not, you know, I'm not privy to that information of what, 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 what criteria do they use to say yes and say no. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I guess that would be that would also be us going down a rabbit hole when we're saying <laughs> we want to focus on on education. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if we were to assume that everything's okay in Zimbabwe, the regulation is there, the laws are being implemented, and we have the training facilities. I still have the question: Why would I learn about drones? I mean, we touched briefly in passing on one of the applications like either weddings because i remember last year i was at my brother's graduation in blawaya kunast mm. and we saw a drone and a lot of people were like what what's the thing what's uh, why is it here because it's like it's making a lot of noise and you're wondering what's this mm-hmm. but outside of videography and the mapping thing why would someone want to learn about drones or even learn how to fly one okay well, that's 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 a great question, uh, Rafael, and I'm gonna try to make it as short as possible. <laughs> um, drones, <laughs> the the drone itself is a tool, okay, but the industry yeah. that it falls under is called the drone technology industry, and mm-hmm. and I say industry be- because one of the things we try to do is to educate people around seeing it as an industry, not just seeing it as a tool. So. When we're looking at education, we're also trying to help people to see that you can actually have a career within the drone technology industry. Okay? And drones are being used in a number of different sectors across the board. So agriculture. We're an agro-based economy and agro-based nation where drones have been helping in agriculture. And this is happening here in Zimbabwe um, through some of the work we're doing and some other people that we we know are doing stuff. There's what we call um, agricultural spraying drones. Okay? These are drones that are designed to spray pesticide, insecticide on a number of different crops, tobacco, maize, uh, horticultural kind of um, uh, grains and all that kind of stuff, right? And these drones are bringing efficiency to the farming uh, practice. So um, maybe you've heard of smart farming. Drones play a part in that whole evolution of farming and making it smarter, okay? One of the demos we've done with, with an agricultural spraying drone that we have is we did a demo with some farmers and we've actually found that we're able to do 10 times the amount of work that they're able to do with their casual laborers who go around with those knapsacks, right? So we're able to do 10 times the amount of work in the same amount of time. So just typically, for example, our spraying drone can cover seven hectares an hour spraying and it needs one operator. Whereas the traditional means of spraying on smaller farms, they're hiring about eight to 10 casual laborers they have to feed them they have to give them all these knapsacks they have to give them masks and all this kind of stuff and they're covering maybe one hectare an hour you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so so it's those kind of efficiencies and those numbers we were like if we did that it would actually help boost our food security you see and that's one type of drone within agriculture there's another type of drone within the agricultural industry and sector itself um which does mapping right which you use to map um uh, your farm and your crops, and then you can do what are called crop and plant health assessments. So assessing um, what, whether your crop has enough of the right nutrients, have enough fertilizer, whether your, your actual, the land that your farm that you're on is you know, too slanted or you know what I mean, that kind of thing, or it's too rocky. You can use a drone to get that kind of information and that's data that you're gathering. Okay. So those are things yeah. that I've mentioned just within agriculture. So around the world, there are pilots, there are companies that look just at drones in agriculture. They don't do anything else. 
they just focus on agricultural types of drones and, and providing agricultural services with drones. You see. And it's not just pilots. Yeah. Everyone just focuses on the pilot. But you can be, and this is a job, you can actually build a career out of this. We need more like data scientists. A data scientist or data analyst would then come on board and would be the person who would then interpret the data and information when the drone goes and captures photos of the crops and that kind of thing, right? You then process that information and it produces reports, which the farmer can then use to make decisions, you see. So mm. precision farming, smart farming, all of that is coming from perspective of using drones to gather key information that helps make us help, helps us make better decisions. And, and I'm also getting a hint of uh, the more we use drones, maybe we're creating jobs in the sense that there's going to be people who need to create these drones or like factories. Among exactly, exactly. So right now, right now, the world over, um, in Zim, for example, one hundred percent of the drones. Yeah, sorry, you can go ahead. You can go ahead. Yeah, I'll say in Zimbabwe, one hundred percent of the drones in Zimbabwe are imported. One hundred percent. There's no one manufacturing drones here, right? And according to CAS, the unofficially, I don't know what the numbers are. <laughs> uh, sorry, I lost you there. On the yeah, other hand, me as well. There's a out of it. Sorry, we lost you for a while there. Just, yeah. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I was saying um, the numbers um, from what Kaz um, have said, um, an unofficial, unofficial figure though, is that there's over 3,000 drones in Zimbabwe that have come through their, their doors, okay, that have come to the borders and have they've been, you know, uh, that they know of, <laughs> right? <laughs> that have been declared. Uh, the, actual, the, uh, the actual number, though, in reality, is probably double that or triple that. Okay, and 100% of those drones are imported. Okay, so no one is manufacturing, building, assembling drones in Zimbabwe yet. In South Africa, there's about three or four companies that already now have got finished products where they've built their own drones from scratch and they're now selling them, you know, that kind of thing. So that, hence why I'm saying industry because there's room for people who want to fly the drones, which is what's common, the pilot. There's room for people who build drones there's room for people who do repairs and maintenance. In South Africa alone right now, there's at least seven companies that you can go to that do strictly repairs and maintenance. They don't sell the drones, they don't fly the drones, they only repair. And that's your whole business, repairs. You see what I mean? So, so the future is in that, in people who are able to design them, people who are able to build them, people who are able to manufacture, uh, assemble them, people who then fly them, people who interpret the data that we gather from drones. All of these are different jobs that are waiting to be created and developed here in this country. Yeah, and people who program them, let's not forget. Exactly. Yeah, uh -huh. exactly. <laughs> let's not forget programmers and people who do coding and, and software, and sorry, and even <laughs> software, because software is a big thing with drones. Yeah. So guys who make software, you know, for drones and stuff, guys who make accessories, all that kind of stuff, it's all there. And I've only touched on agriculture. What about mining? What about drones for construction? What about uh, drones for conservation purposes. What about drones for that look at environmental impacts and that, that kind of thing? Everyone's crying about climate change and all that kind of stuff. We can use drones to actually monitor the effects and the impact of climate change in different regions. 
we we tried to even use drones for you know cyclone die last year when the yeah. cyclone die hit we wanted to use drones for search and rescue and we tried we, we had mobilized a team of guys you know guys of about 20 or so guys who had their own drones who wanted to go out and help with search and rescue those are some of the use cases unfortunately it didn't work out because of you know a lack of understanding from you know, from the military, from the government, ETC, you know, and there was a sense of, I think it was more, more fear and lack of understanding or trust that we were going to, that we know what we're doing, first of all, and the purpose of what we were trying to achieve, you know. But it's those kind of things where we need to, to we as a country, we need to get involved more and more in this, in this, in this space. Yeah, I, I think that's a very, very important thing to realize. Like, I might be backtracking a bit, but the issue of drones, uh, they're not just about you being the pilot or flying. There's so much more to drones. There's so many opportunities um, career-wise for you to go into other than flying. It's like, wow. Yeah. Um, to me, I think for the most part, I've always been seeing either you're a pilot. If you're not, there's nothing else that you can do. But I was like, no, there's so much more that you can do to do with drones. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe yeah. one thing before we move on, I, I know we're really uh, interested more in, part, in, in terms of the education, but there's one, one thing you mentioned that kind of uh, piqued my interest. You, you, were talking, you gave an example where you're saying uh, you guys were able to do seven hectares with like one drone. Maybe what, what, what are your thoughts when it comes to uh, the loss of jobs? Like, is, is it a balancing act where we're losing jobs and introducing new ones or people are going to lose jobs initially and then regain them a while later. What, what's your take on that? Because you were saying they need maybe 10 guys with knapsacks. This one drone does the same, the same area. So maybe this person is going to get the drone and these 10 guys, well, maybe they don't lose their job, but they're getting paid less because they're doing less. What's, how, how does that look in your eyes? Okay. Uh, that's that's a good question, and I think um, part of part of that is is depending on the industry that we're involved in, the sector, sorry, that we're involved in, whether it's agriculture or mining or anything like that. So yeah. you you've got to look at it from a perspective of um, like the the industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, which keeps being talked about and mentioned, right? In that the change that's going to happen is that the jobs that we're doing today. Which means it requires us as people across the board. Uh, we lost you a bit system. again. We lost you at the jobs we are doing today. Something along those lines. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can, can hear you, hear you now. Now we can. Now we can hear you. Oh, it went it went blank. Yeah, around you were saying the jobs being done today. Something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying um, with, the, with the advent of the fourth industrial revolution, which keeps being talked about and being hyped about, right? What that's really going to mean is that the jobs being done today are not going to continue being done in the same manner. Okay? Jobs yeah. need to be done faster and more efficiently. It doesn't mean you lose your job. If you lose your job, if you try and stick to the old way, okay? What needs yeah. to happen is as people, we need to adapt and try and now get higher skilled types of jobs or jobs that require more skills. Because you mentioned yeah. the farming aspect, right? Farming, for someone to go around with a knapsack, 
you don't need any training necessarily. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or any actual skill to go and do it. It's basically here's the, well, I don't know if I'm, I'm minimizing it. I mean? It's basically here's the yeah. upside. Uh, exactly. Here's an upside. Do this, do this, do this, and don't do that. You <laughs> see what I mean? Yeah. So, so, yeah. so we can't really call that a job if we're going to be fair. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and you wouldn't so want anyone to do that, you know. You wouldn't yeah, want and, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that for twenty years. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. a career that you're going into. You see what I mean? But now what we can say is the same people that we're going to use to maybe hire for knapsack to do the knapsack kind of thing, right? They yeah. can now do other jobs that require more skill. You see what I'm saying? All right. Yeah. So they're not losing jobs. We're now saying, okay, instead of doing this, do that, and that may involve teaching them skills that relate to maintaining the drones or other smart farming practices that aren't even related to drones. You see what I'm saying? So it's more of retooling, yeah, retooling, reskilling, upskilling than just saying X, no more jobs for you. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, and across the board, for, for example, and I'll give you an example in the mining side, in the mining sector, the mining guys, especially these people who do surveying, People disobeying have been seeing flames, and this is this is from like I mean, if I let's just say within the SADC region, let's just say that within Zimbabwe and South Africa, right? Yeah. Because drones have come and they have disrupted this, you know, this skill that they got as surveyors to be able to do this, and they used to offer charge so much money to do it and all this kind of stuff. Now a person can buy a Phantom Four today, go online, see how this thing works, go and start offering the service for less the price, faster, more efficient. And the land surveyors now need to completely change their game and say, you know what, <laughs> what's our value add here? We can't just be surveying yeah. anymore, you see. Yeah. So it's about upskilling, reskilling. They're not going to lose their jobs. They only lose their jobs if they stand still and don't evolve. That's how you lose a job. Yeah, mm -hmm. fair enough, fair enough. Makes sense, actually. Um, I think that's how it is with most disruptions. Either you evolve and adapt or, yeah. The worst happens to you. Yeah. So back to education. So there are a lot of careers that you can get into uh, with drones. And I know you've done um, some work with some schools. Um, how has been the outlook from the actual, the next generation, the students? They Are they excited about drones? Or it's like, ah, this is just another thing that has no future. Or they see it as... Like, you know, there are those toy drones and you're like, okay, you're just flying a toy. Well, there's nothing more to it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe I would add on to the Pharaoh's question by saying, is it one of those things they look at in a, oh man, another subject in, in that kind of view or they're really like enjoying it? How, what, what's, what's your experience with the schools you've been to? I remember you said it was Falcon and Hillcrest, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, so amongst the schools that we're, we've been working with, um, we're actually getting into Falcon, Hillcrest, and that kind of thing. They've, they've invited us numerous times. I think we did a drone display at, at Hillcrest about a year or two ago, um, and Falcon was trying to get us to then build up a program um, for them, I think, which we should be rolling out this term. Um, but where we've actually then actually seen and interacted with students um, we did a, an event, I think 2017, that's when we started doing it and then starting to build a relationship with schools like uh, Churchill, uh, Roosevelt, um, I think was one of the other schools that were there. 
And what we basically did is that we were showing them and we've been showing them, okay, about the different use cases for drones, okay? The process is just like with education is you've got to start somewhere and lead people to a certain point and be able to leave them with, okay, cool. What am I supposed to do with this information? Okay. So we're actually in the process of building out a, an education program, which kids can now proudly actually be able to speak to their parents about and say, look, I'm actually considering a career in this. Okay. But initially what it started off as has been drone awareness kind of, um, uh, experiences where we actually go into the school and then we're like, Hey, we showcase our drones. We come with racing drones. We come with professional drones. Then we give a talk. We allow them to interact with the drones themselves. And then what we're trying to encourage now is to say, you guys can actually build your own. Okay. And the program we're building out now is to be able to take, um, these modular type of drones and actually start building the drones with the students. So the interest, kids are excited. Why don't you bring a drone? I mean, I'm yet to see kids that are like not interested in drones. <laughs> you see what I mean? But, yeah. but we want to move them from a point of, oh, this is cool, right? We wanted to move from being cool to being able to see themselves uh, being involved in the industry or contributing to the industry in some way long-term in the future or as a career in one way, one form or another. So the education starts by saying, a drone is not just a toy, okay? A drone is a tool, and drones fit within the drone technology industry, which is what we've been, we've been doing. And I think for, for us, um, where education plays a big part, and I think what our heart has really been about, is that our education system right now is not preparing people. We talk about fourth industrial revolution. We're not being prepared to be able to do the things necessary to be relevant and to have impact and to be involved in the fourth industrial revolution through our education system. Our education system is evolving, but not fast enough. Hence why we're coming in and saying, you know what, let's come alongside and support. Drones actually fit so well as a subject that could be taught under the STEM, science, technology, engineering, and maths uh, kind of band and kind of stream, okay? Um, Why it fits so well is when you look at a drone, and we, and this is where, where I, li- I love to show people that racing drones are more than just racing drones because a racing drone is one that has a certain type of frame and most of them, in fact, 90% of them are one that you build yourself, okay? And you program it yourself, mm. Mm. all right? So when you take that and you actually bring in the components, all right, you can actually teach someone to build their own and the principles are the same. You know, once you learn how to put motors together and what they are and the, the, the electronic speed control, all that kind of stuff. Once you learn how to do it at that level with a racing drone and actually be able to get it together, program it and get it in the air, it opens up your mindset from a perspective of just being able to fly something cool. No, it's something that you've actually built yourself. Then you can translate yeah. it to say, how can we solve local problems using this technology? You see around the world, people talk about drone deliveries. It's like there's a race <laughs> to see who can oh, wow. set up the best system quickest. You know what I mean? The most efficient, yeah. Yeah, it's a race. And big companies are really like putting so much money into it. And we're like, okay, what we could do five years from now is adopt someone's technology and how they've done it or do it ourselves. The principles are there. The basic is a basic drone. Build it. Then you can experiment with carrying different loads and all sorts of things and distances and 
how do you program it to do a, you know, an autonomous flight and all that kind of stuff. But once you teach the basics, you've piqued people's interest enough and then equip them with a skill. You see what I mean, right? Beyond yeah. just flying. And that's what so, we're, so that's you what said we're something. Do. Sorry, about, sorry, sorry, I just cut you off there. But uh, yes. you said something pretty interesting. Uh, you said, uh, and something I agree with entirely, you said uh, the fourth industrial revolution is coming and we're not equipping people with skills fast enough. And it reminded me of a conversation we were having with Rufaro in preparation for this podcast, uh, where we were saying, there seems to be an imbalance when it comes to these new age skills where only the group A schools usually have access to, you know, like drone programs where you, you say you're building out one for a school, it's a group A school. How, how do you think we can solve the problem where we have that at, you know, low income schools as well? What, what's your take there? Because we were really stressed out about that. In, in, we are still stressed about it right now, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, how can we get how can we get the guy in the low income school to also see that get these amazing things happening? Yeah, it's it's funny you should mention that. Is that earlier today, um, I had a meeting with one of our partners, um, uh, South African partners. So we 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 we're we're setting up in South Africa as well, and one of the discussions we're having is about education is about how can we uh, build out the curriculum we're de- developing and get it to the mass school market rather than focus on the niche, which are the private schools who can afford, yeah. you know, to you pay for their children to get this extra, you know, kind of edge type of thing. Yeah. And one of the things we realized and we saw and we're like, you know what, um, the moment you put a price tag to it and they expect the student or the parent to pay for it, right, you already cut out. 90 yeah. <laughs> percent of of students already just by doing that so what we're looking at doing is is looking at and we need it and unfortunately that's that's the way it is is we need partners uh whether it's corporate companies or you know um uh, i hate to say donors and all that kind of stuff but we need people to come alongside and be able to see the value and then sponsor another model we're looking at is saying if you really develop the industry properly you will look at education separately because uh, differently, sorry, because education becomes the bedrock for developing the, the workforce that you need to grow the industry. So for example, if you have a drone company and your drone company provides aerial mapping services for mines, for example, it's your best interest to ensure that students who are in high school right now are learning about drones. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, that's true. So those are some of so those are some of the people who we would be targeting to say, right, once the regulations and the regulations are holding us back, once the regulations are implemented, you will see a, a sharp spike in people now setting up their drone companies. There are quite a few already there, but they're all kind of doing their thing underground. Okay. You'll see us <laughs> see a sharp spike in that. Right? Another thing we're doing and we've started doing is we we've been in talks with Tel One. Tel One has got a center for learning. You see what I'm saying? So we're yeah. trying to see how, how we can come alongside and say, you know what? The value for drones and telecoms is, for example, cell tower inspections. No longer do you need to yeah. send teams out, climb up the scaffolding and to check your, you know, your cell towers to make sure everything's there and to do uh, asset inspections and all that kind of stuff. Use a drone, do it in 20 minutes, get it down, right? 
and you get the data. Now you can assess it, you know, with your teams back there, they can assess the data, then they can plan which one are they going to repair first and all that kind of stuff without having to send manpower out there and spend a lot of time doing it. They can do it faster, more efficiently. Now the value to tell one center for learning is if you added that as a course, even some sort of certificate or diploma level where you're teaching students there will go there how to operate drones in the context of telecommunications and asset management. You see what I'm saying? Asset inspection. Yeah. Then you are now feeding that side of things. Okay? Yeah, and you're, now you're, you're essentially training them for the job you're going to give them. Yeah. Exactly. You see? Wow. And that's wow. the future. You see? And that's the future. In South Africa right now, um, we're learning from companies like Vodacom and that kind of thing because they've started rolling out a, a drone program in monitoring their cell towers and that kind of thing. But they need a workforce. You see, they need to be able to go to a company or to have it internalized where people know how to do it. And you don't need to have your pilot license to be able to start doing things like that. Pilot license is an endorsement to say, right, you now fulfill these requirements at law. But the skill itself, getting a pilot license in whatever country doesn't teach you about how to use a drone in telecoms, how to use it in agriculture, how to use it in mining. You don't learn that. You just learn about the principles of flight, the law, how to communicate with other aircraft, ETC. You see what I mean? You learn the basics. So education is is so critical. It's so critical that we get in there and that we develop it so that the future of the drone industry, the future of the drone professional, regardless of whether he's a pilot, a data scientist, a repair and maintenance technician, a designer of drones, that drone professional has got the base at an early age. Yeah. Yeah. Time is running out. Uh, so I actually wanted to ask about that, Rafael. Please be our timekeeper. I haven't. Oh, we're left with like four minutes. Um, so we should oh, be wrapping I've it up. I've been talking too much. <laughs> no, I'm sure we're left with like, is it one question? I think one or two. And I think we can, we can, we can speed through them. Yeah. Uh, so the one that was left was, uh, what are the roles of accelerators and incubation, incubators in drone education? So accelerators, I'm yet to find an accelerator um, here in Zimbabwe that's, you know, doing anything in regards to, to drones. But I think if there, if there were people who, who are looking at investing in that, it would be those kind of things where you find, you connect the people who have the knowledge and understanding, right? So the drone experts, the professionals, okay? You create a platform that is not that, and this is, this is with the job of the accelerators, okay? build it around connecting the experts with the people who need to learn, either students or aspiring drone professionals. I know we're focusing on students a lot and we're talking about education, but there's people who don't have jobs, people who've gone to school and who've been encouraged to go to school and do book stuff, but they're very technical. You know what I mean? We need more of these technical skills to be encouraged. And drones provide a platform for you to express yourself in a technical way. Do you see what I mean? Even if you can be a scientist within the drone space, have to touch a drone in your whole life <laughs> but be a drone professional within the drone technology space as a data scientist so the accelerators would need to then create the platform and when say create a platform that means they're basically going to fund the process where we're connecting drone professionals with aspiring people who need the service and it could be a situation where you do it as a challenge where for example in rwanda right now they're in about a week's time they're having what's called the lake kivu challenge okay where uh, people come forward and they and they bring the best minds 
and people with the best business ideas around drone technology from around the world in a competition. And the prize money is not even a lot. I mean, it's a lot, but it's not a lot. It's like, I think like $40,000 or something like that. <laughs> but companies from, our, companies from around the world are coming, right, to compete in this challenge, okay? But you're thereby, you know, creating this drive and want to, okay, who's got the best ideas in regards to drone technology, where there's drone deliveries or, you know, emergency medical uh, delivery service or whatever it is, or drone taxis. You've heard about, you know, drone taxis. All these ideas are all there, but where is it? It's Rwanda. Rwanda has created the platform for that. They're saying come, they're making it easy for people to come there. And as always, Rwanda keeps pushing forward <laughs> as being one of the most yeah. advanced countries. Yeah. Why can't we do that here? It's simple. We can do it here. We need the commitment we need to, have to be able to see, okay, there's value in this. This is how we can benefit humanity. Here's how we can benefit the environment. Here's how we can increase and improve efficiencies in regards to how business is done using technology such as drone technology. All right. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Thanks. So we've covered quite a lot today. Uh, yeah, from the prospective professions you can take up to what's happening in the industry. It's been quite a lot. Um, thank you very much for being with us, Tawanda. And Farah, it was really nice talking to you as well. It's been a while since and you've been on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. I'll now just come back with guests here and there. <laughs> All right, cool. And then one last thing for your recording. Um, so you can throw yeah. this in there. Uh, you can throw this edit and throw it in there. But um, I'm actually in the process of right now contributing towards a book about the drone profession. Um, yeah. and, and the part I'm writing about and talking about is drones in education and the, the way we need to actually uh, invest in education for the future of the drone profession. So that's actually my piece um, in the book. And the book will be coming out next month or two. 